0: Welcome to Life and Business in Flow. I'm your host and the mentor to creatives, Kate Adamo. I created this podcast to share about the challenges in my life that led me to running a proactive and sustainable business on my terms. I've always been guided by my intuition and what feels right, and I've never done what they say you should do. I've always done it my way and with authenticity. We'll talk life, health, boundaries, business, brand, finances, worth, and everything in between. Because when we get clear on the foundations and value ourselves, we create not only a sustainable business, but a life that flows. And I want that for you. Thank you for being here. It means the world to me. So when I sat down late last year to basically plan my podcasts and my guests for this year, I thought, who do I really want to speak to? Who do I admire and adore? And who's going to bring the most value to my community? There was a wonderful range of people on that list. But number one, hands down, was Samantha Wills, who is someone that I adore in business. I love the way that she has created incredible brands, the way that she speaks, the way that she's so open, so genuine and so honest. And I just knew that she had to be my first guest, which is kind of a little ballsy for the fact that I've never interviewed anyone before and I adore Samantha. So I'm not going to lie, there was a few nerves in the lead up to this one. But I just had to, I knew I had to bring her to the show. So, for those of you who don't know Samantha, Samantha started a self titled jewelry business, Samantha Wills Jewelry, in the early 2000s in Bondi. And she started selling at the Bondi markets and was basically $80,000 in debt and turned that into, through an incredible story, a lot of leaps of face and some brilliant supporters into a global brand that was seen and worn by the likes of Eva Mendes, Beyonce, Taylor Swift, featured in Sex and the City movie. Anyone who was anyone was wearing Samantha Wills. And while I was attracted and drawn to her jewelry, it was more so her story, her message, and her brand that I was most drawn to. And that's what I guess led to her cult brand and following and to the following she still has today, even though the jewelry business was closed down in January 2019. So Samantha has now created in 2016, the Samantha Wills Foundation, a platform designed to empower women in business. She's now a dynamic speaker and author of a beautiful new book of Golden Dust. And if you haven't read that one as yet, promise me that you will go out there and find it, jump online and purchase it or listen to it via audio because it is such a brilliant book that will really, I don't know, just inspire you, motivate you, help get you out of your own way. Feel not alone as alone in your journey. So welcome, Samantha, and thank you so much for being here for my new podcast, Life and Business and Flow, and for being my first guest. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, the honor is all mine. I'm excited. It's pretty crazy for me landing my dream podcast guest straight up. So I really don't know where I'm <laughs> going to go from here. The, the other ladies and of you have got huge shoes to fill. Um, You'll go all the way up. So this is a great, great starting point. It's a great starting point. Thank you. And, <laughs> um, and just I really appreciate the opportunity and you taking the time out of your schedule to, to spend with me. I really appreciate that. And before we dive into discussing your book, which is something that I can't wait to talk about, and I've got it here with me and adore is that I haven't actually recorded my first episode for the podcast just yet. Only my intro and outro. So in the spirit of keeping things totally real, which I love doing, obviously nervous about my first interview. And I guess it started to bring up memories for me of something that happened to me in 2019 when I hosted my first and only speaking event. was really unwell at the time. Froze a little bit. And I'm not going to lie, it scarred me. And I haven't really done anything publicly since, um, even though everyone was really supportive. So I guess it feels a little raw for me. And I just love to hear... Just your experience, Samantha, or any advice on a time that maybe you were left really rattled or scarred by something and, you know, that you had to bounce back from it? And how did you overcome that and push forward?
1: Well, I think public speaking, you know, is definitely, you know, it's more fear than death, which is which is a fact. So I think when we do show up publicly, I know for myself, you know, it's probably only the last Gosh, I'm going to say the last two years where I felt really comfortable public speaking. Like a lot of the time, um, you know, and I've been I've been on stage for the last eight to ten years. So I would get up on stage and get really nervous. I could feel it in my chest. I could feel my voice shaking, and I'd just have to even take a minute, even on stage in front of you know five, six, seven hundred people, and just stop because I could hear my voice cracking. And um, you know, it took me a long time to to really hone that in. I I don't know exactly what the turning point was. I think when you know when we're going out into the world and presenting, finding the the peace within us, I think is especially, I think with, with um, you know, keynote presentations and things, I think the more nervous I got was when I didn't really know what I was I wasn't confident in what I was putting so I didn't think I felt I knew the material. But then once I started doing the same thing over and over again, and that's all we're doing, I think, really as brand builders, right, is telling that same story in different ways and cutting and pasting it in and out. So I just think it's it used to rattle me a, a, a real, real lot. So I think, you know, obviously practice makes perfect. I think we, when we show up, we always think that everyone needs a new story. I'm like, no, assume that the people that you're speaking to haven't really heard the story before and just go to what you know is, is kind of how I have put that into practice for me.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. And it probably is just that repetition and practice and getting out of your own way and pushing past that fear. And it's so easy to sit in the comfort zone, isn't it? It's so easy. And even just me preparing to do this, there was a fear that's like, should I even do this? Should I just stay in the comfort zone? But it's like, but what good yeah. is that? That's not serving people sitting in your comfort zone. No,
1: it's not. and I think that we always think, oh, well, everyone else is, you know, confident in doing x, y, and z. And you know, it's that age old thing that you know we've spoken about before and I talk about in the book is with imposter syndrome. I'm like, imposter syndrome for me has not gone away. The further my career has gone along, which in technicality should be like, The more confident you get, it's imposter syndrome for me has just gotten louder and worse. And what I've really tried to do now is, you know, for so long, I tried to fight it and get rid of it completely. And now I'm like, all right, I'm just going to try and live alongside you. And to me, that now means like, all right, I see you. I hear you. Just give me 10 minutes to do this, you know, conversation. Give me half an hour to do this conversation with Kate. Give me, you know, all these things and, and trying to find a way to live alongside it. And I think it's a break in the clouds is is all we need. So like, like you said before, you like, you spent so long in the lead up to, to putting this podcast program together. You're like, should I, shouldn't I? It's like, you just need that little crack in the door to be like, all right, I'm just going to do one interview and see how it goes. All right, now I'm going to do another. And that's where the momentum comes from. Because I think the whole thing with imposter syndrome is it keeps us in procrastination, which the thinking mind wants us to stay where we are. And whether that's, you know, it doesn't mean it's, you know, inspiring, it could be in a toxic relationship, it could be in a job that doesn't, you know, propel us, but the mind wants us to stay in the safety of what we know, whatever that is. So I think, yeah, when we say push outside the comfort zone, it's it's so powerful and just just getting out in that teeniest, tiniest little, you know, break in the clouds is so important for us.
0: Yeah. And that's really refreshing to hear because. I would imagine people would look at you and think, I, you've been doing this for so many years now and in the public eye, surely the imposter syndrome started to take more of a back seat. and just sort of seeing all the things, yeah, and hearing that now, it's, it's, it's really refreshing to hear because it's just reading your book and all the things that you pushed through and the strength and the resilience and the crazy things that you made happen, you would sort of read that going, what imposter syndrome, like she's totally got this, but it was obviously just hanging out with you the the time. Yeah, I, I say it's like my plus one to every event, every interview,
1: like it's got a seat at my desk every day. So, um, you know, it's, it's prevalent. I think we spend so much time, you know, we, we, we're selfish beings at the core of it. And we're like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to think about me? What are they gonna? I'm like, no one's thinking about you because everyone's thinking about themselves. So that's kind of, you know, we've got to go back to that often, I think. And um, it's something that we can, you know, go into that vortex in the mind and get way too carried away with.
0: So what would you say to women that are feeling really paralyzed about their next step or sort of sabotaging their growth because of that imposter syndrome? What would you say to them? I think it's just find,
1: you know, I I do a program online called Creative Space Workshop and and the whole teaching in it is find 900 seconds a day. Like we can do anything for 900 seconds, right? Which is 15 minutes. If that's even too long, find, you know, five minutes a day just to, like if I use writing as an example, like I I just, you know, wrote a book, but I'm still like, oh my gosh, is, is it good enough? And can I really have the title author next to my name? And, you know, the year and a half that I spent writing, I had to often just show up and be like, just sit here for five minutes and put some words on the page. Because when you start that momentum, it just takes that, as I said, the teeniest, tiniest bit, and then just see where it goes. Like if you're enjoying it, stay for the full 900 seconds. If you're enjoying it, stay a little longer. If you're not enjoying it, you know, walk away and do something else and show up again tomorrow. But it's the, it's the whole thing of not, not taking that tiniest little action when nothing gets done. So I'm like, try it and see how you go. If you like it, stay a little bit longer. But, you know, we don't have to bite off this whole huge amount, just tiny little, little nibbles.
0: Absolutely. That makes total sense. I think I've tried to do that with anything that I've been doing is just sometimes you look at the whole thing and it's overwhelming. But if you can break it down to the little what are the actual little steps, put that into a calendar and map it over a couple of months. It's not so scary, is it? But it's just the thought of the whole thing in one go. Yeah. That's the thing that's hard to make a start on.
1: I mean, it's impossible. You can't do the whole thing even like the mapping out the steps I'm like I think that's good once you're in it but even that can be daunting I'm like just shot just a a little bit one little thing and you know in in the case of writing it's like you can't edit a blank page so I'm like just put some words down whatever you're working towards stay in it a little bit and if you like it stay in it a little bit longer that's all (laughs) and we that's as far as we
0: need to get with ourselves I think Absolutely. So let's talk about your beautiful new book of Golden Dust. Congratulations. Thank you. It's incredible. I'm sure you've heard this many times now, but the way that you tell the story, it's so beautiful and so captivating and really like you are sitting there with this. And it's one of those, and like, I honestly haven't read a book for years. I've got about 10 or 12 pages into about seven books and just couldn't continue, <laughs> but I've been binging yours nightly. So that's saying something. It's Thank just you. so easy to read and so relatable. And, and I guess there's so much about your journey that we didn't know. And even though I've been following you for some time and I've heard you speak a couple of times. So it's really incredible to, to see that and just the stories around manifesting and the universe as well. And I'm a big believer in that, but seeing some of the things you did, holy shit, like the London <laughs> situation, um, yeah. just, I don't know. I, it's honestly, it's unbelievable.
1: I'm the same as you. Like, I'm quite a fussy reader and haven't, you know, usually get a little way into a book and put it back on the pile and never get back to the pile kind of thing. So, When I was writing it, I wanted it to be a book that I wanted to read. And, you know, the biggest compliment, especially as a first-time writer, that anyone can say is, you know, I I couldn't put it down. I I read it quicker than any other book I've read. So thank you. I I really do appreciate that. Um, I think on the manifesting front, I I feel like manifesting is a word that is just so overused and has become so bastardized in in so many ways. And, you know, a lot of the time now I've, I've been talking about manifesting. I'm like, it's not, you know, mood boards and this, you know, that's such elementary when you're like, let's just put our dream on a mood board. I'm like, cool that's, you know, elementary level manifesting. I'm like, what it really is, is stripping back to like the core of who we truly are. Like not someone else's framework, not our mum's framework, not society's expectations, not any of this and getting back and being like, okay, what is right for me? And then when we start living that complete truth, that's when we start attracting what is meant for us. And that's, that's the core of manifesting. So I think commercially, we look at it to go from, like a physical angle to go back but I'm like it really is from here in the heart space to go out and then what's meant connects at the in the most beautiful and organic way
0: I love that so beautifully put that's so beautiful and how does it feel having your firstborn out there in the world I imagine incredibly uh, incredible launch night and incredibly surreal all at the yeah. same time it's
1: I mean I think So it was meant to come out at this time last year, um, but obviously the world changed around March last year. So I think, you know, I've had an extra year to kind of feel at peace with the stories. And obviously I share some quite personal stories in there. So I think that extra year, um, and also allowed me to put in uh, my health journey at the end. So um, it kind of gave me a year to make peace with putting those stories out there. And, you know, I often say that even though they're my stories on the page, once they're out into the world, if anyone sees any of themselves on those pages or in those experiences, then they're our stories. So I feel very calm having her out in the world. I'm, I'm excited for, you know, where she's going to go and the path that she's she's walking. I really do look at the book as a, di- a separate entity. And um, yeah, it's been an exciting world to step into. It's it's a lovely world, the literary world. I've met so many great new people and books to grammars and um, this whole, whole new world has opened up to me. So I feel very fortunate to be in it.
0: Yeah, I imagine. It's incredible. And I'd love to hear the meaning behind the title as well. Yeah, it's a great question.
1: Um, I, so the, working, the original working title was Public Brand Private Life. And what I really wanted to do, and you know, when I started writing the book, I still had a jewelry company, so I hadn't decided to close yet. So I, it was almost like a, a plot twist on myself in a way. But what I really wanted to do was, you know, parallel the, you know, obviously what the media would have seen and, and Instagram and all these things with the actual realities and the hurdles and hardships. But not only that, I wanted to, you know, th- that middle human element because we're humans doing business, and I wanted to, you know, really dive into what it takes for a human, a female founder, but you know, overarchingly, a group of humans to, to build a brand that way. So, public brand, private life was the original working title. No joke, we went through about eighty different titles in in the lead up to so the publisher is like, no, you need something more you know softer kind of more romantic so I went back and forth and then the last one that I submitted was of gold and dust because to me you know I was kind of going down that alchemy path and I was like you know I was really trying to visualize if alchemy was which it is but I was trying to visualize it in a really physical sense like running through your veins and what is the experiences that makes that up and to me it was a little bit of gold and a little bit of dust and obviously you know the concept of gold dust and you know the tinkerbell kind of magical sprinkling of that um so I yeah I kind of got to there. So it's more like the still public brand private life, but in a more romantic delivery, I guess
0: and it sounds so much more you after seeing your brand and just how beautiful it is. Like the first working title does not connect really, like seeing where you're at. That's yeah, exactly what the publisher said. said. When <laughs> you said that, I was just like, no, that's not even you in any way. Like
1: that's so <laughs> I mean, Kate, I fought so hard for it and the publisher's like, it says it's not you, it doesn't connect. So yeah. you and her maybe need to have a conversation.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, not even a little bit. And to the all of us, and I think I said that to you on, on Instagram, it just had that little Stevie Nicks vibe and I'm such a Stevie fan. Yeah beautiful magic sort of to it, which is what your brand feels like. So it just feels like such a name. It really, really does. And so how long has the book been in planning? Because you mentioned before you closed the jewellery business. So this is interesting. I thought it might have been an after. No, I mean, obviously, I've been writing bits about the
1: business journey, probably since 2016, I launched the Samantha Wills Foundation. Um, And then I started writing this around 2000, start of 2018. Um, I didn't have a book deal at that time. But I I kind of felt that there was a story that needed to be told in, in some way, no matter what happened with it, I needed to get it on paper. And then six months after that, I decided to close the the business. And the day that we closed um, was really when the the ball started rolling for a, a book deal. My management was speaking to a few people. And then when that happened, so I really started writing it, you know, a year previous, but kind of, you know, mapping it out and, you know getting to it when I could, but really started focusing on it at the start of 2019. So uh, it was probably about, a, you know, a, a solid year process right in it. And then obviously the editing process is is intense. So, yeah. I imagine
0: much longer than you probably anticipated, but it sounds yeah. like something that like before, <laughs> The universe has also had your back on that with, you know, not the the pandemic in any means was a good thing, but giving you that extra year to just have that health journey, which is such an important part and something that I want to speak about because I've had many challenges with that in the near future, but it's obviously meant to be that that was meant to be a part of the story as well, because that's something that's not spoken about enough. I don't think in business and women's health.
1: Absolutely. And I think, no, it was really important that, um, you know, and obviously coming out in Endometriosis Awareness Month, is, you know, it's a big part of, of my journey that I want to, you know, dedicate to that conversation. So to have that opportunity to add that in the book, you know, it's, yeah, like you said, it's, it's hard to uh, look back and be like, oh, I'm glad COVID happened that way. But I think in, um, you know, in if you're trying to pull silver linings out of it, for me, that was definitely one for me. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And while we're just touching on health, I'd love for you to share sort of any insights into the toll maybe that your business took on your health or that maybe that you avoided as a result of your business for some of the people that aren't familiar with your story and any advice that you have to women regarding listening to their bodies and their health. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it was specifically because of the business
1: or how busy I was. It was completely an individual approach that I just put my own health to the back of the list. Like it wasn't a priority to me. It was something where I was like, I'll get get to that when I have time. And obviously we... You know if that if that's the mentality, we're never gonna have time for it. So um, you know, and I've shared quite publicly, I my body, you know, starts whispering to us and then it starts screaming. And for me, it was it was the discovery of stage four endometriosis and two um fibroids the size of oranges. But you know, and I, I share a a little bit about it in the book, but it was, you know, probably a six-year process, five or six year process where I, you know, my body was trying to get my attention and um, I got frustrated with her. I tried to numb her in every way you could. And it was just, you know, I did everything but help her. And I think as um, women um, or as human beings, but specifically as women, we have this, you know, language of of intuition that our body is trying to communicate with us every moment of the day. And you know, we get goosebumps for a reason. We, it's a gut called a gut feeling because it's actually a gut, you know, communication. It's, it's all these things. And we, for some reason, I think since we've, in society, you know, we know what the word intuition means. And as kids, it's, you know, we still know what it means then. But I think we've been raised to if you can't logically explain or show something that it's not real. And I think that's where we've really quashed our intuition and, and that language around it. So it's really trying to get back to that. And I think that starts with our health because it's a body communication at a very base level.
0: Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And that's why I've the podcast is going to be called Life and Business in Flow and my Instagram handle because from the years of mentoring women, I'm finding that's one of the key challenges, their health, their home life. And I just think that's something that no matter no matter what you do and how successful you are, that's always going to stop or hold you back. And at some point in time, it's going to come down crashing around you. And I know that I've been there and suffered severe burnout. So I just think it's something that we need to be speaking about a lot more. And I plan on doing that. And I love that you're sort of sharing that a lot more in your your story as well. And just to to normalize that for women to just, hey, go and get it checked. Like don't don't just keep numbing it and moving on because it catches you and it catches you so much harder when it does.
1: And I think that the entire conversation around women's health needs to be normalized in a way like there's such, you know, no mainstream conversation around it. So I think definitely at a, you know, very base level. And I think that, you know, separately carving out time, I think we're so in a traditional mindset, especially as creatives where we're like, oh, if I'm, you know, not doing the grind or not doing the, you know, that, crazy work, then it's, we're kind of slacking off. And I think as creatives, our lifeblood is new ideas and it's inspiration and it's all these things. So I'm like, we have to carve out time, whether that's literally, I get a lot of ideas when I, when I'm driving on the freeway. And so I'm like, I really should be factoring in freeway driving into my creative schedule as crazy as that sounds. But that's when new ideas reach me, they reach me in the shower and they, you know, all these kind of mundane tasks. But I'm like, that should be the paramount of where I spend my time. Because if new ideas are my business and my lifeblood, I should be carving that out in whatever way that looks for the individual. Yeah, I think we're we're still in such a traditional mindset around what the value in our working existence is.
0: And around creating space too. I see that being the biggest challenge and just I'm honestly having right. so many of the women I work with the permission and making them take weeks off or time off or just giving themselves yeah. permission to have a break and create that space. Because we can't create when we're constantly in the doing of the mundane and the hustle. And so many of my clients That's have children true. and they're exhausted yeah. and burnt out. And it's something that it's it almost feels foreign or they don't know how to create that space as well or to take care of themselves, which is kind of alarming that society's got to that. No, definitely. And I think that if you flip it around,
1: and, you, you know, we go out and we sell our service or our product or whatever our business is. And, you know, we're, we're the creators of that. So if we're not taking time off to recharge the, the creator of that business, we can't really be putting a lot of value on what we're offering because, you know, that's it, that should be the the paramount of protecting and nurturing the health and the, the creative space and the ideas, but yeah, we let that that vessel um get burnt out. And I'm like, it's it's just not even a good business advertisement if, if the creator is getting burnt out because it shows you don't really value, you know, the input that you produce, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And just sort of on that, just even around working, I guess, from a feminine energy or masculine energy. And do you think when you're running Samantha Wills, the jewelry business, was it sort of run from a masculine? Do you feel like you've stepped more into a feminine and, and doing it at a different pace with this second chapter of the of the business? And pros and cons of if you were, I guess, working from that masculine at that time?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I think I'm probably still in transition of that. You know, my business partner who I talk about in the book, Jeff, he definitely works in the very masculine space of, you know, and obviously when we talk about that, it's not a gender thing. It's an, it's an energy when we're talking about it in this way. So I think for a lot of the Samantha Wills, you know, management, um, I I held the female space and he, you know, drove the masculine space. When I'm on my own now, I don't sit here and be like, oh, I'm holier than now. I've written this book around <laughs> listening to your body and all this. Like, I'm, I'm, it's a life's work to put that into practice. So I think now definitely I'm having moments of when it's like super, I don't handle stress well at all. I just take on more, take on more. And like I say, the thing I'm like, you don't really, you know, make changes till you burn out. And a burnout could be a, you know, a minor thing. It could be a health thing. It could be a relationship, whatever it is, whatever sees you hit the floor. And, you know, my work definitely, I, I think I would take a more, I don't know if I, I operate masculine or feminine action. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put some thought into that. So thank you for prodding me on that. But I definitely, you know, definitely still taking on much more than I should be. So I'm very aware of that.
0: I think it's a really hard thing as a creative with so many ideas bubbling all the time. It's just to what to action at what point in time. I know I've been through that. I already have three other businesses in my mind that I'm just like, stop it, Kate. You can only do one thing at a time. Of um, years <laughs> and and just really trying to map things out. But I know for myself. I lived in the masculine, went through severe burnout. And when I started this business, I was only available to do it on my terms. And I didn't even know about the masculine and feminine when I started this in 2017. So I've sort of done that. And this is what I'm, I guess, trying to teach women as well. Like having the boundaries, being really fierce with that. I had very little output in that point in time. It had to run with with the little that I had to give. So that's something that I feel is just so, so important. And I really want to teach, I guess. So yeah. yeah no, and it's
1: so important. And it is a life's work. Like it's something that you have to continually revisit and practice, you know, day after day. And I think that with a creative, or I know for myself as a creative, there's still a scarcity mindset because I still feel like it's such a privilege to show up as a creative that I'm like, if I don't take that opportunity, it might not ever come around again. So I've got to grab everything. Like I, I still operate very much like that. And I can, I observe myself doing it and I try and pull myself up on it. But um, I think it is, you know, we're still operating in a very traditional way of thinking, but in a in a need for a modern way of thinking.
0: Absolutely. And I guess I want to touch a little bit, I guess, kind of around authenticity and um, something that I think that we both have in common after reading the book is, I guess, to an extent, bucking the trend on how business is done. And there's, I guess, a lot of noise out there in the online space about how things should be done and how you should run a business. And and especially in the service-based online world that I'm in with, you know, freebies and discovery calls and funnels and becoming a six-figure entrepreneur, like all those gross, you know, six-figure entrepreneur, like don't even get me started. Yeah. Um, Yeah you know and it becoming more about income goals and actually serving people which is something that i'm so against and i'd love to hear i guess your thoughts on how you've done things in this in this next chapter of your career and how you stayed true to your own authenticity and i guess listening um to your heart and intuition while building this brand
1: yeah i and i'm with you that that whole sales element around you know six figure funnels all those things i'm like it's just it feels like an assault on the senses for me. And there's so much of it um, happening and it's it's so cookie cutter to me. So when I I, I identify and I'm like, I just, I want nothing to do with, you know, if I, if I stumble across something like that. So for me, it's always, you know, as I said with the book, like I created a book that I wanted to read. So in, um, my work now, I create things that I would want to participate in. And I create them in a way of how I would I communicate them in a way that how I would want to be communicated with. So I think we've got to remember to, you know, in a world of 7 billion plus people, there is a space for everyone. There is, if there's something that's important in your soul and how you communicate that, then there's other people who want to be communicated with like that. So I think this whole compare and despair which is so easy to to jump into um you know you just got to turn your phone on and, and scroll through Instagram a few panels and it's it's instantly like well they've got it looks like they've got more so I need to be more like that I think you know in creating this next phase of my business I actually went offline for a lot of it because I know I know in myself if I'm on Instagram I'm instantly like everything from like, oh, that color palette's better than maybe I should change my color palette. It was just a ridiculous amount of going external. Whereas when you're creating something, specially from the heart space and in service based business, it's, you got to go within and it's got to sit against your soul completely. So, um, you know, throughout all businesses I've had, I'm like, the money is, is, is secondary because if you, if you communicate with your consumer, not to her, then that's the connection. It's like, oh, and by the way, we offer this business service for me, it was like, connected with your consumer. And by the way, we we sell jewelry. That's how I, I always look at like what you do or what you sell is like the gift shop on the way out. It's about giving that person, you know, making that person feel seen, connected 100% themselves. And then by the way, here's what we do if you want to get involved.
0: Absolutely. And what a beautiful, perfect segue because the next section I want to talk to you about was branding and storytelling. So thank you. And, um, and I really wanted to dive into this with you today because as far as I'm concerned, you, you are the unofficial queen of branding and storytelling. So, like, oh, that's just yeah. that's how I feel about this. You are Thank you. the pinnacle of, of, of creating the most beautiful brand that connects with people and I think it's something that we can all aspire to. And Thank you. Yeah, no, my pleasure. And what you were just saying there about finding that sort of brand within you and I think that's something that I've been working with a lot of the women I work with, especially some that have maybe had kids starting a, a business later on. kind of lost themselves in the process and rather than just going to a graphic designer and can you just create a brand or whatever I'm taking them through a bit of a process of I guess finding themselves first and really working through that what is it they truly love and then I guess connecting that to their brand and connecting that to their community so and I guess it becomes an extension of them so I would love to hear your thoughts on the best way to create an authentic brand I know that that's a, a huge question and you've got a course coming up around this but you know in a couple of minutes I guess just your I guess best takeaways on that creating something authentic from the heart well I
1: think you know while I said stay offline while you're doing that process I think go and retrieve all the things and create your your mood boards and and everything and kind of set it up you know with what's true to you then I think go offline and really sit with it all and this is this is not an overnight process this is something that you go back and revisit and you know obviously there's you know, there's a very structured way to build a brand and you do your, your brand persona and you do your logo and, and all these things, which if, if that works for you, then then that's great. And there's a lot of that, that that I definitely do as my pillars. But I think it's got to come down to what what is right to, for you. Like, I think when we talk about framework as a general rule in life, like, you know, th- there's the whole concept of, you know, you, you get married at this age, you have babies at this age, you do this with your business, you do like, here, here's your timeline, go do it. And I'm like, but whose timeline is that? I'm like, that's not, my timeline is going to be different to your time, but we take on the, the one timeline for all of us. And I think, you know, as it relates to to life in general, if we're working to someone else's framework and timeline, we're never going to feel like ourselves. We're always going to be like, oh, it just, it just didn't feel right. I can't really put my finger on it. So if you apply that to brand, because as creative female founders, it is so from the heart and soul space. I'm like, like go and look at brands that you like, sure, and use it as a, a, you know, some kind of guidepost, but it's got to be true to you. You can see brands that have all come out of like this brand factory and you're like, it's just so generic and so boring. I'm like, you know, flip the script, do something that, you know, might not, you know, technically be in the rule book, but I'm like, own that. And I think that's where those point of difference comes in. So I definitely think though, and I call it like the, it's almost like a compost process. Like, you know, you kind of do your mood board, then you walk away, come back the next day. How does that sit with you? Put down your, you know, key values and and spend time like, like simmering in it. And then if something, you know, it's not, it, as I said, it's not an overnight process and brands are built over over years. It's not like, oh, now we've got our branding and we're off to the races. It's something you can always be evolving. But I think going inwards and, and getting offline when you are doing that process is is paramount.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm so happy that you've said that because that's something that I've been talking to women about as well. It's just, there's so much noise out there and you really just do have to shut it out. And, you know, people going, but I'm going to look at what everyone else is doing. And I like this and I like that. And it's like, but what do you like? What's, what's in here? What's in your heart? Because that's right. going to come out authentically. Bits and pieces from everyone else isn't who you are. So yeah, totally. I love that. Totally. And your brand stunning, your new website I have to scroll through the other night. Oh my God, so beautiful. And the hand-drawn elements are incredible. It's just, it's Thank like, you. what led you to go down this whole floral path? Um, I just wanted to do, you know, I I like the elements
1: of like botany and floral, like kind of, you know, like it could be a a botanist, it could be, and I feel like that's what the whole thing, it is about growing, it is about the seed, it is about, you know, something, some ideas take off, some don't, and I don't know, I just, I really like those tactile elements, I think in branding too. You need these assets that you can pull out and, you know, apply in different places. And I liked the masculine, like I use, you know, I had an image of a sketched um, laptop and then I had kind of a a really rooted flower growing out the the top of it. I really like that masculine meets feminine element of it. So, yeah, there was no, like, conscious decision of it. I just, as I said, like, that. and that website truly has been probably eight months in build and, you know, I did all the artworks and everything myself for it and it was really important that I did that. Like, usually that's something that, you know, in the jewellery business we would have, you know, had our art director do or outsourced it in in a way, but I was like, no, I want to sit in this and I want to, you know, and, it like, literally some of those images would take me two weeks because I'm like, something just doesn't feel right. But, like, you know, as I said, go away, you steward it, you, you revisit it, so... I didn't realize that you drew those yourself. Oh, no, I didn't. I didn't draw, like, some of them are drawn, some of them are, you know, canvas, some of them are, are scanned in, like, but, you know, I, I constructed. So it's like no, nothing on that side is just
0: a generic image. So. That's what I love about it. I think that's why it feels so beautiful and authentic. And I also just wanted to touch on the storytelling, which you mentioned before. And I remember reading mm-hmm. something somewhere and it was just so beautiful that you, like telling an interesting story and engaging people and not just selling it them. And and that, you know, I resonate so strongly with and it really intrigues me and, and something I sort of try to live by. And that you're, you know, you're really, I just, what did you say? Like speaking with with her and with your community, not out there. With the, her, not
1: to her, yeah, yeah.
0: So... And I think this is something that I try to work on, but it's it's a little bit tricky sometimes just trying to find that voice. And I guess what advice do you have for creatives to get their voice out there in the right way and to truly speak with their customers? Like how did, how did this happen for you? Yeah, I think for me, like,
1: and I, I, I only think I realized this in, when I was writing the book, because when, you know, I started my business before the internet really was a thing, which makes me sound like I'm about 3000 years old. <laughs> so, um, it was, you know, I started in 2004 and social media, you know, Facebook launched in the United States in 2006. So it kind of didn't reach here or, you know, 2007 ish. And then I had my personal Facebook page and people would look at it as a brand page, but they didn't have brand pages back then. So people were kind of like interacting with me in those early days. And I was speaking to them like they were were my friends because my friends were on there as well. So I kind of this early foundation of speaking with our consumer really started to ingrain back then. Um, I think when you name a brand, you know, ever so modestly after yourself, um, there's that normal human connection because it is a person. So I think that's a pro of having your name in, in it somewhere. Um, Obviously, that comes with a huge amount of cons as well. But I think if you've been to some of my talks, like I probably have eight stories that I tell Really well, and I'm like they're they're in every presentation or keynote that I do. If I get a brief from my management to be like, you're just speaking at this keynote. I'm like, all right, this story is good. I'll put story number one, four, and seven in, and then how do I bridge them together? But I tell the same stories over and over again, and I've I've gotten them down to an art. So I think you know, that there's a part of it that yes, obviously it's got to be authentic and your story to you, and it's almost like how you would be telling that story to a friend, and then polishing it so that you can tell it in a professional setting, in a certain time frame, and get the key point across. So, you know, obviously I talk to a lot of creative entrepreneurs. So, you know, a lot of the stories that I tell are around my journey, but if I waffled on, they would go forever. So it's like, I've got to cut them down. So I think, yeah, t- taking what's in your heart and-, and polishing it to be in a creative
0: sense. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And just stepping back to brand for a moment, I also remember reading something a couple of years ago that you wrote about there being, I guess, no separation. There's just one creative life and your brand becomes an extension of you. So your home, your clothes, I guess, even the way, you know, you wrap your gifts, I would imagine all sorts of things. Yep. And those comments actually sort of made me realize I was unconsciously doing that around our home and the way we we're dressing. Even my husband kind of started, you know, we have like, we yeah. started being on brand, <laughs> oh, yeah, to the point of you can't wear that because we're wearing the same colours today. Um, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's gone a bit too far. But I would love for you to elaborate um, on just what leading a creative life means to you. Well, I think for me, you know, I, I use this analogy a bit
1: where I think because we're in creative entrepreneur space, it's traditionally thought as, as work and work traditionally is nine to five and you meant to spend 50% of your time working and 50% of your time, you know, doing what else. And so when you you say you're, people often be like, well, you work too much. You you know you're doing you know and, and kind of pushing back. And and sometimes they might be right. But I compare that to you know someone wanted to be an Olympic swimmer, and they're like they get up at three o'clock every morning, and they're in the pool five times a day, and they're eating you know you know meticulously for this thing and. It's this whole like dedication to, to what they're trying to achieve to become an Olympic swimmer. People don't turn around to them and be like, you're training too much. You, you, you know, you're dreaming too big. You're too dedicated to your dream. They're like, wow, you're so dedicated, like good on you for, for chasing that. So I think, you know, when I really started to think about that, I'm like, hang on, like business is my passion. Creative business is my passion. If I was just working nine to five, I would not be fulfilled at all. Like in a traditional sense that might make someone else happy. So I think for me, I'm like, I'm just going to make it all creative. It's all creative life. It's not like a, a personal life and a creative career. I'm going to be like, how do I fuse those two together so tightly that they, they coexist? And for me, that means creative success for me at the moment is um, working on projects that don't necessarily require a commercial outcome, because I think for so long, you know, especially with the jewelry um, business, that was that turned into just a commercial machine. And I think what I didn't do in that time was replace my hobby because my hobby was jewelry making. I didn't replace that creative hobby with something else. So um, a creative life to me is is that balance now of commercial creative and then also non-commercial creative.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. No, thank you. That's beautiful. And I just also wanted to know, reading your book, there's a few sort of sliding door moments in in your career mm-hmm. that could have led to very different outcomes. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on really trusting the universe and letting her do her thing. I mean, look, that's
1: the end goal, right? It's, it's so easy to say on on the page. And, you know, one of my favorite sayings is the universe only ever has three answers for us: yes, not right now. I have something better in store for you. But I think that um, and I talk about fate and destiny a lot. So to me, destiny is like what your soul is guiding you to do, what you'll put on this earth to do is, you know, those internal whispers will always try and guide you towards that. So to reach our destiny is, is the goal. Um, then when you look at fate, it's almost like even the way we use it, like, oh, it's a fated outcome or that that was fate kind of thing. So fate to me is when you stay in the familiar and you're comfortable there and you don't, you don't move. So you're like, no, I know this, I know this world. And it's like, all right, well, that's that's a fated outcome for you. When we stand at that crossroads, we always have a decision between a decision of faith and a decision of fear. And the decision of faith is always the unknown. It's always taking that little step in, we're not sure where it's going to lead, but something within us. So that something within us might come in an unsettling in our current situation. It might come in boredom. It might come in something just doesn't. I mean, there's something more out there for me, but I don't know what it is. Like that's the decision of faith, and that's our internal, you know, soul trying to guide us that way. The decision of fear is always like, well, I know, I know this relationship. So what, you know, it's at least I know it. It might not be good for me. I know this job. It's not that inspiring, but at least I know it, so I'm going to stay. So. I think, you know, the universe will meet us halfway when we take that little step of faith, but we, we have to be brave enough to, to find what that is. And I guarantee the universe always rises to meet us. But, yeah, it's, it's usually we stay on the comfy couch and, and don't take that
0: step. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, it's always there to support us, but we've got to make that first little move and then she'll be there. So, yeah. Yeah. And I love the way that you speak about the universe. I can honestly listen to that all day long. It's so uh, in-depth and beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. I'd love for you to share, I guess, some of the biggest learnings in your career or did you have any advice for startups or scale-ups?
1: I think if I had my time over, what I would have done earlier as a creator and purely as a creative, you know, starting business at 21, I would have invested money in, in, in my case, I would have got a bookkeeper to kind of give me visibility on the financials or something saying back then I didn't even know that that was the next step. I was just like, I, you know, I guess I can sc- scrummage my way through kind of thing. So, I think the traditional mindset is very much like, oh, the more money you spend, the more you don't have. Whereas I think as small business, especially as solopreneurs, it's almost like, all right, well, how can I invest money to free up my time? Not only free up my time, but also keep the the parts of the business that I am not good at. So moving the ego out of the way to be like, all right, I definitely shouldn't be meddling in the (laughs) accounts. So in my case, I learned how to do that. But it's, you know, back then it was a real mess. I created myself. So I think, um, you know, overarchingly surround yourself at people who are good at the things that you are not. Don't look at money as, you know, in that instance, like spending money is often investing money to grow the business rather than that, that scarcity mentality of like, oh, if I spend it, I won't have it kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree and see that day in, day out with women in my community. And it's you know, almost an avoidance of the numbers and finances because it feels a bit hard. It feels a bit overwhelming. It'll just fix itself and sort itself out. It doesn't, it digs an an even bigger hole. So it's, it's, and I'm really glad that you mentioned that it is so important to just start investing in your business and spending that money in the first couple of years and getting the right people around you because that can ultimately make or break your outcome as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think once you have visibility on it, you have much more creative freedom. So it's, it's definitely, it's such an investment to have that That transparency.
0: Yeah, like so much space comes with clarity and getting everything, like getting the foundations of the business right and cemented so that you can actually have the space to grow from the right platform. So, absolutely agree. And I just wanted to also know so, what is next for Samantha Wills? The foundation? I'd love to hear about that. Is there another book in the works? What's happening? That's a great question. I, everyone's asking me that. I'm like, I don't know, guys. I just need a breather. <laughs> so,
1: I, um, so my book, when I, um, when I submitted the original manuscript and as a first time writer, like, I was just like, I just need to brain dump it all. Like, I'm, I'm not really sure. So I, um, I submitted 148,000 words in my original manuscript and the book in your hands is 72,000. So I'm like, I guess there's like a whole second book in there somewhere if I needed to, to pull that out. But I think you know storytelling for me is I've always been a storyteller. Even before I was a jewelry designer, I was like, identify as a storyteller. So, you know, I did that through the vehicle of jewellery. I did that through the vehicle of campaigns. I'm now doing that, you know, through a traditional uh, format of memoir. Um, And I think for the Samantha Wells Foundation, you know, if if the book is the story and, you know, the the narrative around it, the foundation now I want to be the tangible element to hand over and be like, hey, here's some resources I found. Here's a grant that I found. Here's these, you know, workshops that I put together to truly hand over information that um, I think might help other creative entrepreneurs. So, no matter what the next step is, um, it's, it's definitely based in storytelling and a handing over of information in some way. And that might be in a you know more romantic sense with with books and um and definitely in a tangible sense with the foundation.
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad that you're doing that because it sounds like there is just so much wisdom in there that creatives and, and humans just really need and just your beautiful story and the way that you tell it and the knowledge that you have through your however many year career it is now, but there's so much there's so much goodness there. So it's so beautiful that you were doing that and sharing that with creatives. Um, and I'd like to just ask you about your masterclass as well, which I've seen on the website. This is very exciting. Yes,
1: yes this masterclass has been something I've wanted to do for so long. And just so much goes into it. So it's going to be about 17 modules um, and it definitely, you know, it's titled The Art of Brand Building. Um, There will be a business module in there, but essentially dives into, you know, storytelling through brand, how you really extract kind of what we spoke about today, like extracting out that, that heart space and then how do you commercialize that the way that it needs to be you know, what I learned from international expansion or all, all the things that I've kind of, you know, touched on. It's almost like handing over 20 years of, of everything that I've known. <laughs> so, so I feel like I'm handing over. This is, yeah, this is my next big handing over. So um, that releases or enrollments open on June 1st and then it starts on June 15th.
0: Amazing. I can't wait. I will be signing up for sure. <laughs> so yeah, that's beautiful. I've also done a good part of the, um, the 30 days at the creative space. I need to finish that off, but I think that that's a really beautiful starting space for creatives as well. Like, I think that's something that's, that's just such a beautiful place to to start and to, I guess, take the time to reflect. Yeah. And I
1: think it's, um, you know, it, it was just designed, I actually designed it in lockdown last year and I was like, you know, I've just kind of re- refined it a little bit now, but, Just let little, as I said, little bite size. you don't have to commit, you know, a whole semester to it. It's literally 900 seconds a day. Some of the exercises are bigger, some are smaller, some are journaling, like just to create that little bit of space to, you know, I look at energy as as bubbles and like, if there's all this gray energy that we hold on with social media and, you know, to-do lists and all these things, I'm like, how do we just break that a little bit to allow this, you know, this lighter energy in with the new ideas? So that's what, yeah, that's what that workshop was designed around. Perfect.
0: And before we go today, I just wanted to know if there was any wisdom that you wanted to impart on the on creatives, if there was anything that you think that we hadn't spoken about today or any, you know, final words that you have. Oh,
1: um, you know, I think intuition, I think, is the biggest one for me at the moment and really getting, to, getting back to that, you know, listening to how your body is communicating with you starting to trust that, you know, and it's something that we have to work on every single day. I think that relates to, to new ideas as well. When a new idea reaches you, like that's a gift from somewhere. It might be meant for you. It might be meant for you as an act of grace to give to someone else. Um, but I think really honoring the process of, of getting new ideas and following that curiosity just to see where it leads. And I think overarching and letting go of what we thought it's meant to look like and allow what is coming to us to, to unfold.
0: Absolutely. And when I heard you speak at your book tour a few weeks ago, I think it was there, you spoke about in sitting in how it feels and not in the thinking of it as well. And did you want to elaborate on that? Because I love that. That was just such an important Yeah. Book. So, um, you know, I guess it, I really exercised that most when I made
1: the decision to close the the Wills jewellery business and there was no logic to it, you know, we're a business in growth and I didn't tell a soul for two weeks and I woke up every morning pretending that I'd closed the company. And I didn't you know, wake up and say, well, what do I think about that? I woke up and said, well, how do I feel about that? Because I think the feeling filter, you know, and it's, it's in the solar plexus kind of, you know, heart, gut space. And then the thinking filter is in the mind. And I was like, you can't fake a feeling like, you know, in any area of your life, when you've tried to fake a feeling, it's just it's impossible to do. So I was like the compass that that feeling filter provides us is so true. Um, and then the mind, you know, our mind, as I said before, is designed to keep us safe, keep us in a familiarity. So it will literally, it, it needs logic. It needs, It's here's the safe place to say, and it will fight the feeling filter, you know, tooth and nail to, to try and, um, you know, and that's where that internal conflict comes in. So I think going back, whether it be in life or in business and looking at that thinking and feeling filter and really sitting in that feeling filter and, and getting to know that space because you cannot fake a feeling.
0: That's so true, and don't get caught up in thinking about how it's going to happen because the how will always stop you. Just sit in the feeling, and then it will flow from there. I think so. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Way of putting it. So thank you. And I guess um, as as much as I would love to spend all day with you, I know that we all have other appointments and things. So thank you for being so generous with your time with me today, and just the responses and the way that you think about things. Like it's just. It's so beautiful and the way that you articulate things, it really makes me think and I, and I know so many of the women that, that hear you speak, so it means the world to me that you took the time just for my little podcast and my little community, um, which oh. is just getting started I I hope to connect with you again at some point in the future because I really, really love this experience. Thank you so much, Samantha.
1: And congratulations on the podcast. I think, you know, what you do in your business and now what you're doing with the podcast is so needed and the platform that you provide women and the space you hold for them is so needed and it's so important. So thank you. It's such an honour to be your first guest on today.
0: Thank you so much, Samantha. Um, I really, really appreciate it. And good luck with the book and the masterclass and everything that's coming on this new creative journey for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your biggest takeaways from today's episode. Please DM me on Instagram at Life and Business In Flow or leave a review. If you could go one step further and subscribe or share today's podcast on your socials, I'd be very grateful. Until next time, take care and thank you.